listening to Footprints on Our Hearts, a podcast about baby loss, legacy, and learning to live again with me, Alison Ingleby. The baby loss community is one that no one wants to join, but together we can break the silence around baby loss and help each other navigate the rocky road that is grief, because all children leave footprints on our hearts. everyone and welcome to this special in between episode <laughs> on um, pregnancy after loss, birth preparations and such in the current COVID climate. And I was going to give you an update in terms of, uh, I guess, where I'm at with my pregnancy. And also, I wanted to talk a bit about current COVID restrictions and the sort of progression towards lifting these in terms of um, partners being allowed at scans and um, into the hospital at birth. Um, And I quickly kind of realised that if I did this as an intro to the show, I'd probably end up with like a double length episode or something. Um, And I'm also conscious that some people might not be interested in this, um, you know, particularly if um, pregnancy after loss is a bit of a trigger for you at the moment. So I thought that it would be better to do it as a separate mini episode um, to go out and then you could choose to listen to it or not. So presuming you are listening to this, um, you want to be here and you want to find out a bit more. So um, I'm guessing you've probably listened to my solo show, uh, which I put out a couple of weeks ago in terms of talking about my general pregnancy after loss experience. So I'm not going to reiterate what I talked about on that show. Um, But I did want to give a little bit of an an update because that was a few weeks ago. And we're now getting closer to well, things happening. So I did talk a bit in that episode about my approach to birth and birth preparations. Um, And I mentioned that we were going to have an induction. We've been booked for an induction um, unless baby decides to arrive early. So we do now have a date booked in for that, which I think both me and my husband have found quite useful in terms of having something to aim for, I guess. Um, And we've known for quite a while that um, we'd be, you know, we'd probably have to be induced. Um, But I think I don't don't know whether people, our consultants have been reluctant to book a date in or um, we've just been kind of going from week to week. But, you know, we haven't had that kind of sort of clear deadline, I guess, or or indication of when that was likely to be. Um, And it's useful, I think, from a practical perspective in terms of um, being able to put things in place, um, but also mentally um, to have a kind of, I guess, a an endpoint or something we need to kind of work towards. Um, now, obviously, baby might have other ideas and decide to arrive early. In in which case, you know, maybe I will get the the natural uh, labour that I wanted. But um, we will see. I'm not taking that for granted. So certainly, over the past few weeks, I've been really quite focused on trying to get my work wrapped up. Um, because of having a little bit less time than I anticipated and obviously wanting to spend a bit of time, you know, before I go into hospital, just making sure I've got everything ready for baby and sort of mentally preparing for that. Um, 
I kind of had to condense my sort of the time I thought I would have to get work wrapped up. And because I'm self-employed, it's, you know, it's not like I can just drop everything (laughs) and say to my boss, oh, by the way, I'll be back in in nine months or a year. Someone else has to pick this up. Um, So that's that's been pretty pretty busy um I have managed to get most of my client work wrapped up now which was a huge relief um getting that done because that really was the you know the stuff that um if something happened and I did have to go in early that that was the kind of really difficult stuff to deal with um so I think and I'm now at the stage where I'm, I'm basically trying to get things scheduled in advance so getting the podcast sorted um for the next few weeks um I ideally want to get shots for next month or two (laughs) that might be a bit much to do all the intros and stuff in advance but you know at least to give myself a few weeks to relax and prepare for birth and then obviously afterwards as well um so yeah, so I've been I've been trying to focus on getting that ready, getting some of my the author side of my business scheduling stuff ahead. Um, but I am taking a bit more of a relaxed approach to work and you know, trying not to work all the hours in the day, which I can be guilty for. And also taking a bit of a step back from social media. So I haven't been as active on Instagram recently, and I apologize if I've been a bit absent or slow to reply to messages. Um, Yeah, I think I'm just having to kind of try and balance things at the moment. And, you know, when you get to the kind of that later stage of pregnancy, you are like, it is really tiring as well. Like I am tired a lot of the time. I've been struggling a bit with pelvic girdle pain and, and sciatica and stuff. So that's kind of limiting how much I can kind of sit down at a time to do work and things so yeah I'm having to to really balance things and my focus really now sort of between now and I guess when I go in to give birth whenever that is is really trying to relax a bit more and connect with my baby and kind of mentally prepare myself for what is coming up And a big part of this for me is sleep. So I I like my sleep. I am a little bit of a a dormouse when it comes to sleep. And I do not survive well on low levels of sleep, which obviously can be a challenge both when you're pregnant and particularly when you're pregnant after loss. Um, So I've struggled with insomnia at different points during my pregnancy. it hits me or it seems to hit me usually in the first trimester so quite early on I struggle with insomnia um and then I did have a point um I think when I was coming to the third trimester when I was really struggling with it as well I also struggle to sleep when feeling anxious and this isn't always a problem with getting to sleep but in particular if I wake up during the night trying to get back to sleep you know I those thoughts, whether it's work thoughts or um, anxieties around pregnancy, baby loss, you know, grief stuff coming back. Once those thoughts kind of take root in my mind, I find it very hard to um, get rid of those and get back to sleep again. Um, But obviously sleep, you know, sleep is something that is going to be in short supply once, once baby hopefully arrives. And and I think, you know, it is just makes such a difference to your well-being, your ability to cope with anxiety and and other things. 
So um, one thing that I wanted to mention that has made a massive difference to me has been listening to hypnobirthing tracks as I go to sleep. Um, And the particular, so I have looked at a couple of different hypnobirthing books and um, uh, and different tracks. So the one I use before I go to sleep is one by Holly DeCruz. So I have her book, Your Baby, Your Birth, um, which is a hypnobirthing book. And there are a couple of tracks that go alongside that. So one is an affirmations track, um, which I've also found really useful, actually, and try to play kind of in the morning when I'm getting up, um, getting ready for the day, or, you know, sometimes I play it on the way to the hospital quite a lot if I'm feeling a bit anxious about a scan. Um, and it's about sort of 15, 20 minutes, and it's kind of going over these positive affirmations. And then the other track is a relaxation track, and that's the one I listen to when I'm trying to get to sleep. And honestly, I'd say probably nine times out of 10, if not more, I am pretty much asleep or like unaware of what's going on before that track finishes. Um, And it also seems to make me sleep for longer. So I will sometimes, so often I will, I mean, I do usually wake up around kind of three, half three in the morning either to go to the toilet or just because my leg's gone dead and I need to turn over. And sometimes I can just turn over and I do fall back asleep. Um, Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer, but I have found um, that since I've started listening to that track and going to sleep to that track, I have slept a lot better and for a lot longer. So I I kind of thought of hypnobirthing as being something I was going to do to prepare me for birth and to make that kind of birth early stage of labor um, a little bit easier. But actually, I'm so glad I've done it, if only for the benefit that it has helped me sleep better. And it it doesn't work every night. Some nights I go to to bed and I'm super anxious and, you know, it just it, it doesn't work. But most nights it has really, really helped. I think that combined with, you know, just generally being tired <laughs> um, has helped has helped me sleep. So I wanted to mention that. Um, So I'm also using in terms of other hypnobirthing tracks, um, the Maggie Howell tracks. Um, So I think her website is natal hypnotherapy. Um, And at the moment, I'm uh, there's like a birth preparation track that I'm listening to during the day, which is slightly longer, which I'm trying to do every few days. Um, And she also has some specific tracks for different stages of labor, which I'm going to look at. Um, yeah, so that has been really helpful. Um, in terms of my kind of mental preparation, I've also been trying to seek out positive birth stories and experiences. And part of this for me has been around induction and positive sort of birth stories of induction, um, particularly if those don't involve water birth, because, you know, if you if you look at positive birth stories and particularly on the hypnobirthing sites, a lot of them are water birth or home birth stories and obviously you know that that isn't an option for me that's not what I'm going through so I'm you know trying to seek out these kind of more positive stories um of well if not quite pain-free birthing then you know easier than (laughs) than the nightmares which we conjure up in our mind put it that way um 
Yeah. And I think, again, that's just to make me feel more positively about birth. And I'll be honest, that does link with me withdrawing from kind of social media a bit. Um, You know, I really love the baby loss community. um, But I think mentally, at this stage of my pregnancy, being surrounded by stories of loss, and I think at the moment, particularly loss, you know, in later pregnancy or birth, just gets your mind thinking on, you know, all these things which could happen. And we know, you know, all these things which could go wrong. And actually, that's really not helpful in terms of then helping to manage my anxiety about what could go wrong, because I know what could go wrong, you know. Um, I know that there's, you know, there's never a safe point. Um, But equally, you know, if I get anxious about that, then that affects how I feel, it affects how I sleep. Um, And, you know, it's not a case of ignoring, you know, what happens and ignoring other people's stories. It's more for my kind of mental well being and preparation, taking a step outside of that and trying to focus on these more, you know, on on birth stories that have a happy ending and that are a positive experience throughout that birth. So that is just me, obviously. You know, if you're pregnant, you might have um, different views and I have found it really helpful and I still am, you know, connected with, connecting with people who are also pregnant going through pregnancy at loss at the moment because I think that is really valuable um, and that's a, a slightly different thing. So that's my kind of mental preparation. Um, In terms of, I guess, practical things, um, I've also been spending some time going through baby clothes. So we were fortunate enough to be um, loaned many, many baby clothes and other bits of baby paraphernalia from various friends. So I've been going through those, washing clothes, kind of trying to get the nursery ready a bit. Um, and honestly, that has been there have been some mixed emotions around that. Um, and I think particularly, you know, we didn't have a lot of stuff for Sky, but when I did get out, you know, some of the uh, baby clothes that we were given for her, um, and the things which we kind of hidden away in in a drawer after she died, that was yeah, hanging those baby clothes on the line was yeah, that was definitely quite difficult. Um, And yeah, it brought up some of those kind of grief emotions. But I think in general, for me, I'm a bit of a control freak. So one of the things that I have been really anxious about, as I was saying, was not having things ready in time. So, you know, getting these things ready and these kind of, I guess, a kind of nesting type preparations or or just getting things ready has helped me feel a bit more in control, which then makes me feel more relaxed. Um, I'd also have a recommendation for you, which is getting other people in to help. So again, I am usually someone who is very reluctant to ask for help. Um, I find it really hard to ask for help and I kind of feel like I should be able to do everything myself. Um, you know, but I finally cracked (laughs) and I rang my parents up the other week, um, and said, uh, do you fancy coming around at the weekend? And by the way, can you come around to help us clean the house? <laughs> um, so yeah, 
sorry, not just to, you know, come over for lunch, let's have a nice walk or something, but I want you to help with the cleaning. And bless them, they did. And they came around and they worked really hard and did a lot of those jobs, which I guess aren't completely essential, but that I wanted to get done. So things like defrosting the freezer, cleaning the kitchen cabinets, um, you know, going around and evicting all the spiders that had set up residence in the corners of the ceiling of our house, all a lot of these jobs that I wanted to do. And I just knew that, you know, my husband and I have been so busy with work that we wouldn't get time to do. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, you could argue, well, it's not really essential, is it? But it's the kind of thing that bugs me. (laughs) You know, when I'm sitting down on the sofa, exhausted, I look up, I'm like, oh, there's another cobweb in the corner of that room. I really should do something about that, but I can't drag myself off the sofa. And it's not really something you want to worry about. And, you know, things are going to be crazy enough in the early days of having um, a baby. and I'm going to have to cope with enough mess um, around that. So, you know, anything you can do in advance can help. So I definitely recommend you know, getting any willing volunteers in to help you with those kind of jobs. Um, I've also been trying to think a bit more um, and letting myself think a bit more about what happens after birth. And in particular, I've um, signed up to a couple of breastfeeding classes through La Leche League, um, which have obviously been done online via Zoom. But I think that's sort of helped you know, helped me feel a lot more prepared um, in terms of feeding and what's, you know, dealing with any challenges that come up in terms of that. And also it's helped me feel a bit more normal, I guess, in terms of in terms of my pregnancy, which has been, you know, far from normal in terms of, you know, going through this pandemic and, you know, a lot of the extra scans and things we've had. Um, and that's actually been quite nice. Um, so I realise that everyone's experience of pregnancy will be different. And, you know, because I haven't experienced a loss close to full term, that may make things easier for me. But I do feel that, you know, everyone has some anxiety there. Um, and particularly with the COVID restrictions, which I'll come on to talk about in a minute. So I do think that this stage of pregnancy, when you're kind of, you feel so close to that point of bringing your baby home, but you're not quite there yet, is really hard. And I know from, you know, talking to other um, mums-to-be who are who are currently at a similar stage, you know, there is definitely this feeling that you, you know, you just want your baby out of you and, and safely here in the world. And, and there's that feeling And I have found this definitely that, you know, there are still things that could go wrong and kind of you're literally taking things a day at a time and and trying to claw your way towards that, that kind of milestone. So I do think that, you know, whatever helps you relax, um, whether that's getting ahead with jobs and preparations so you feel in control of things or, you know, whether it is just distracting yourself from the fact that, you know, you are going to have to give birth and your baby's going to be here and um you know in denial about being pregnant if that if that works for you and helps you relax then you know perhaps that's something you need to do I also think that at this time perhaps other people's anxieties can get more overwhelming and I just wanted to you know reassure you that if you're going through this you know you do not have to constantly be available to reassure other people you know if you have friends or family members kind of 
constantly messaging you or, or wanting to talk to you to check baby's been moving or are you okay? Um, you know, that kind of constant communication can actually be more anxiety provoking for you in terms of trying to manage other people's emotions. Um, and actually, all you should really have to concentrate on is yourself. So, you know, do feel free to kind of set boundaries around, you know, how much you're, you know, willing to talk to people. And obviously, it can be really comforting and helping, helpful for you to talk, you know, to friends and family. But if you feel that, you know, it is an extra burden on you, then do set those boundaries. And, you know, if necessary, hide your phone in a drawer for a few hours or a day and just take some time to chill out um, and really do whatever feels right for you and whatever can help you relax at this time. So I also wanted to mention um, or talk a bit about the current COVID restrictions, because I feel like we're in a little bit of a time of uncertainty and transition at the moment. And I know a lot of my anxiety has been around my husband not being allowed in for our induction and about him being sent away shortly after birth and not being with me during that. Oh, my goodness. How do I look after this small baby? you know, initial day or two potentially. And I know you're in a hospital and you have stuff around you to help with that. But, you know, as as someone who finds it quite hard to be kind of vulnerable and admit that I don't know things, I actually find that idea quite hard. You know, whereas with my husband, I might be like, well, do you, do you think they're latching okay? Do you think they're feeding okay? Um, you know, why are they crying? You know, can you hold baby for a minute? Because I just need to, you know, have a breather. I find it much easier to do that with, you know, with my husband and birth partner than I would asking a midwife or, you know, someone who is who's on the postnatal ward to help with that. And equally, I know that there's a lot of anxiety on his side as well. You know, it's really hard for, you know, birth partners, particularly when you've suffered a loss, to then be excluded from any part of that birth or afterbirth process. Um, you know, I know that if he's not allowed in for that first part of the induction, he's basically going to, well, he'll probably be at home stressing himself out and trying to deal with that by um, binge-watching box sets on Netflix and probably eating an entire store worth of Haribo. So, and that is really not very healthy. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there is a lot of anxiety there as well. And and also in terms of not having the opportunity to, to sort of, you know, bond with baby and spend that first sort of 24 hours together. So in terms of the current restrictions, from what I've gathered and other people I've spoken to, it seems to be really variable across the country at the moment. So some partners are beginning to allow some hospitals, sorry, some partners, some hospitals are beginning to allow partners in for specific scans and occasionally post-birth visits. So a lot of this is kind of uh, in the earlier stages of pregnancy. So I think some hospitals are now allowing partners in, but perhaps just for a 12-week scan or a 20-week scan, which is definitely better than nothing. Um, but, you know, if you're one of those people who are having to have extra scans or gross scans because there have been problems identified, um, or even if that's just because of reassurance based on previous pregnancies, that, you know, that still does not feel enough 
but it is a step in the the right direction. Um, And again, if I've heard of some hospitals allowing um, partners in for specific times on the sort of postnatal ward. So again, it's not ideal. It's not great at all that they can't be there all the time. Um, but you might get a sort of few hours. But then there are other hospitals who just aren't really budging at all. And, you know, my hospital sort of falls into this category or seems to be at at the moment. Um, So um, you may have seen that the NHS did release some guidance. So NHS England released guidance for maternity services last week on getting back to normal. And to be honest, it's quite vague guidance. I mean, I've had a look through it. And, you know, I mean, I used to work in the public sector and uh, with sort of local authorities and health trusts and things. And I mean, it's just really vague, basically. It's kind of all um, caveated by the fact that it depends on what the national picture is and what your local picture is and you know it uses lots of words like consider doing this and consider doing that rather than saying they should be looking to um relax restrictions and i do understand that there are local contexts and they can't be that prescriptive but it would be nice if they were being perhaps a little bit more forceful um in terms of their recommendations for lifting restrictions on um on particular particular aspects and i think i was also quite disappointed that there wasn't anything specifically in there around um induction and partners being able to be uh, birth partners being able to to be in with the mothers for the duration of labor and not just that active labor um part of things um that said though they are you know that is an indication that things should be starting to get back to normal of course you know if you've been watching the news this week you'll see that cases are starting to rise um in different parts in certain parts of the country particularly around the north of england and i feel like that might be like trusts might be being a little bit more cautious um, and perhaps overcautious in those areas in terms of their kind of risk assessments. So I just wanted to sort of mention what what I'd kind of been doing about this for my case. So I did have a chat with my midwife earlier this week, um, and in fact, at my last midwife point, but mainly this week, to see if there was any chance I could request an exemption from the restrictions in the trust um based on my anxieties around um being induced to having my husband with me um and she did agree so to, she has emailed the head of the labor ward um kind of mentioning my case and kind of setting out some of my concerns um i didn't hear back from that or i haven't heard back from that so i have then sent a follow up email um to that lady cuz she copied me into that email um, so I've sent a follow-up email kind of basically setting out what has happened to me, what happened to us with Sky, what my particular anxieties are, my husband's anxieties, um, you know, the concerns we have around our, you know, our mental health um, without him being able to be there after the birth and also, you know, during those early stages of my induction. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get anywhere with this, um, but I figured it was worth at least trying and at least, you know, 
sort of they're aware of my situation and they're aware of my name um so it might be a case that when I do go in they might not be able to promise anything in advance but when I do go in um they might perhaps be able to see if they're having a quiet day on the labor ward for example then they might be willing to let us into and have a private room which would mean that my husband would be able to to be in there sort of earlier than normal so you know, I think a lot of trusts still have these blanket policies in place, but they do have a duty to look at individual cases and exemptions where there are special circumstances. And I think, you know, I would argue that if you've been through, um, you know, a previous loss, uh, you have experience of baby loss and have anxieties around your pregnancy as a result of that, I would say, you know, that is grounds for exemption. Um so I guess what I suggest is if you're in a similar situation and um, and this is probably worth raising earlier than I've kind of left it. But, you know, certainly, I guess any time from yeah third trimester onwards, you know, if you're in your third trimester, you can start thinking about this. It is worth asking your midwife for help and trying to push your case a bit. And um, your bereavement midwife may also be helpful if you have one, um, as they'll often be more able perhaps to push your case because um, they know more about your personal experience and, and can perhaps make a, a better case in terms of you know mental health grounds or whatever. Um, so it is worth at least trying to, you know, to to get what you want because, you know, pandemic or not, you still have certain rights um as a as a mother um around you know having control of your birth and who you want to be present there and your birth experience um if you feel like you're not being listened to or you're not sure how to raise your case then i'd really recommend having a look at the birth rights website and i'll include a link to this in the show notes um, and they're an organization who campaign for human rights in pregnancy and childbirth and they've been doing quite a lot of campaigning work so they've written to nhs england and nhs improvement calling for national guidance on easing visiting regu- uh, restrictions and for them to recognize the unique needs of you know pregnant women and birthing partners um during this time and you know make exceptions and also generally ease visiting restrictions um as you know as we've perhaps come out of this s- sort of phase of the pandemic where you know hospitals aren't running under critical capacity anymore and they maybe have a bit more capacity to make allowances they do also so on their website they have various fact sheets answers to frequently asked questions and set out you know what your rights are in terms of pregnancy and birth and you can also contact them for specific support so i actually put a comment on their website and someone got back to me um sort of you know, to discuss kind of my situation. Um, I suggest that if you do want support, you don't just put a comment on the website. There is a contact page so you can contact them directly. And, you know, if your trust is being difficult or you feel like they're not listening to to your case around this, then they might be able to help in terms of advising you who you can contact or even contacting the trust um, themselves to kind of push your case. So I know that is it's really kind of difficult and we shouldn't have to push 
um, for that kind of support, really. You know, we should just be given it, pandemic or not. But I think particularly at the moment, a lot of the times, you know, you do have to ask for the things you want and you have, you know, you have to push and advocate for yourself and, and for your baby a bit. So um, I am staying hopeful <laughs> in terms of hoping, you know, my husband will be able to come in for me for the duration of, you know, my induction, labor, birth and afterwards. But I am also trying to be pragmatic and prepare myself for a situation where, you know, he might not be around for all of that time. So I hope you've found that useful. Um and I will put links to the guidance and organizations I've mentioned in the show notes. Um, and really, if you are, you know, if you're pregnant at the moment, if you're kind of approaching that birth, or, you know, if you're a new mom and you've recently given birth, you know, this is a, an unprecedented time. And for us, you know, going through pregnancy after loss, um, it's it's not, you know, we don't have that normal experience that perhaps other mothers get. Um, and I think we all sometimes maybe just need to give ourselves a big pat on the back and recognize how well we are doing and how far we have come in this journey. And, um, you know, yeah, be prepared to fight for our rights. Thank you for listening to this episode of Footprints on Our Hearts. Please help me break the silence around baby loss by sharing the podcast with your friends and leaving a review on iTunes. You can follow me on Instagram at Footprints on Our Hearts and Twitter at Sky's Footprints. For detailed show notes and to support the podcast and help me raise money for Tommies, please visit our website, footprintsonourhearts.com. <laughs>